Well, if I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I'm one of the teaching pastors here today. And during the season of Advent, we're contemplating everything that Jesus did without for the sake of a greater cause, which was to come and to save people from sin. Just think about it. Jesus did without his royal privilege. He did without the perfection of heaven. Even though he was always incredibly close to his father, he did without the the level of proximity that he normally had. And he laid that all aside just to come to this broken earth to save you and me. And you would think that, that doing without would cause this deep, profound sense of sadness because our reality is this. Whenever we do without something, it tends to make us sad because we think that's loss, that we've lost something. But that's not the way Jesus looked at it. According to the book of Hebrews, the Bible says this, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, not the sadness, but who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is what got Jesus through all of that pain. He knew that waiting on the other side of the pain was something called joy. And you've got to choose that. You've got to make and will yourself to actually get to that particular pace. I mean, that should be good news for everybody here that's encountering something. And we're all com- encountering something because we're all human beings. So if you're here today and you're carrying any level of pain, any level of hurt, any level of lo- loneliness, here's the incredibly good news that I've got for you. On the other side of that pain is this beautiful gift called joy. And I'm going to be honest with you today. Don't have a lot of joy today. Thursday, I I sat in a hospital room down in Seattle with a couple from Christ the King, and I held their little baby boy, Jonathan, who was here with us for about 90 minutes. And then he slipped right back into the arms of Jesus and went home. On Friday, I stood at the graveside of an 18-year-old kid. I haven't got a lot of joy, just being honest. You know what I love about this place? Um, we say it's okay to not be okay. That works even if you're a pastor here. So I'm not preaching to anybody else in the room today. This one's for me. It's going to be a little selfish. And I hope I hear everything that God has to say. This weekend, I want to tell you the story of two women. They're the ladies of the incarnation. We're all familiar with Mary. She's the famous one. But there's another one. And her story is a story of faithfulness and sadness. Luke chapter 1 says this, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron, and both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. They were good people. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old So we walk into this and we learn two things about Elizabeth right away. We learn she was a godly woman. She was doing everything right. She obeyed God. She loved God. We also learn that she wanted a baby, but she didn't have one. The Bible says she was barren. That's a tough word, isn't it? That she was barren. And and it's difficult today to want a child and not be able to have one or be able to conceive. And, and, And that's unbelievably difficult. Back in this particular culture, there was actually a stigma that went along with it. See, back in Jewish times, in the, in the times of early Israel, many people would see if you were barren, they would consider that that was God's judgment against you, which was a lie, but that's what they thought. 
They thought that somehow you had something in the back of your life, in the back dark part of your soul, that you had done something wrong and that God was punishing you. And the way he did that was by withholding a child. I hope that's not the God you know, because it's not the God I know. Here was the problem. Elizabeth was known for doing it right. It caused a little bit of tension. She obeyed God, but she spent her life listening to the whispers of people going, I wonder what Elizabeth really did wrong. Because they had this dichotomy, this tension. She was a godly woman. But for some reason, the answer was wait for a really, really, really long time. And then probably somewhere in her 30s or 40s or 50s, it just kind of naturally shifted in her mind towards a no. You know what I love about the Christmas story? These are real people who are dealing with real problems, just like me and you. Just because they're in the Bible doesn't mean they're immune from life's pain, just like everybody else. This is what I love. I love that these people were struggling because it gives me hope. Just because they were righteous and obedient didn't mean they were immune in any way. And Elizabeth was married to a priest by the name of Zechariah. In my study this week, I learned something interesting. Zechariah's name means the Lord is faithful. Elizabeth's name means the covenant or the oath. So if you put their names together, when they got married, their family name would have become this. The Lord is faithful to his promise. That was the banner they lived under, even though they had this unanswered prayer for so long. You know, I wonder if Elizabeth ever wondered if God would ever be faithful to her request for a baby. I mean, I can't get past the reality of this couple. It appears they were doing everything right, and yet the answer was no. Here's the deal. Here's what most people think. Most people think righteousness plus obedience equals a perfect life. But that's not true, is it? Some of the godliest people I've ever met have had difficult and challenging lives. I've met godly people who've lost their children to tragedy. I've met godly people who deal with unbelievable chronic pain every day of their life. I've met godly people who have disabilities. I've met godly people who struggle with depression and discouragement. I just finished a a study of my favorite preachers in history, Spurgeon, Wesley, John Stott. Do you know what they all had in common? Depression. They all struggled sometimes just to keep their nose above the waterline. I can say this. I've never met a godly person who is immune to any of the things that I've mentioned. But here's what amazes me about people who are faithful even in the midst of pain. This amazes me. Instead of being buried underneath of the sadness, they made a decision to choose joy. And the decision that they made softened their heart over time and graced their countenance and lowered the volume of their words and created these beautiful soft little lines on their foreheads and around their eyes that that they would walk in the midst of pain and they just seemed to have this knack to reach into the life of somebody who's struggling with something just like they did. You only get to do that when you make the decision not to be buried in your sadness and your pain and instead embrace this beautiful thing called joy. They chose to walk intimately with God in the pain instead of away from him. See, here's the actual reality. Righteousness plus obedience equals a faithful life, not a perfect life. It equals a faithful life. Elizabeth lived a faithful life and her trust was in God and it was intact even though she never received the miracle that she wanted. A lot of people think there's a formula for miracles. I want to talk about miracles right now because we seem to, they kind of becomes a bit of a buzzword this time of the year. Some people think there's a formula. If you do the right things and pray the right prayer and get the right people to lay hands on you, miracle guaranteed. That's the way they kind of boil it down. 
They just think if I could just get all of the right things in the right place at the right time, then God's going to give me this incredible thing that I've been dreaming of. Okay, here's the deal. If you've been around here for a while, you know my story. If you haven't been, this is my story. I've been praying for a miracle for my wife for 18 years. If there's a formula, I would have found it or tripped into it at some point. We're all searching for a miracle at some point. But here's a tough truth for everybody. And I know it's going to seem like a bit of a downer, but hopefully actually it's going to bring you some joy. There's no formula for a miracle, my friends. There's no formula. I wish there was. I wish there was a formula that I could tell you, but that's not the way God works. Scripture says his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. I wish I had a nice, tidy pastoral answer to say why that person got a miracle and this person did not. The honest answer is I have no clue why God does what he does. I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know these two things. God can be trusted and we need to keep asking. Those two things. God can be trusted and we need to keep asking. According to scripture, even though he and his wife were old, Zechariah kept asking. And the Bible says this happens in Luke chapter 1, verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Can we stop there? Why do they keep saying that? You know, it's easy for them to say they're glowing, right? Possibly flying, but they keep showing up. Don't be afraid. It's going to show up. You Trust me, okay? Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Okay, we're going to get really personal and intense here for a couple of moments. And I'm going to stick my nose where probably some people would not want it to be. But I think because of this story, because of this guy praying about this issue, that maybe it's time that we talked about it. I'd like to talk to all the couples at Christ the King here who are struggling with infertility. And there's a bunch of you because I've prayed and cried with a lot of you. My prayer is that you will look at this today and understand this. If you think God is judging you with that, you're wrong. He loves you. I don't know why it's a wait or a no. I have no clue. But please don't miss God's character, which loves you and wants good for you. Don't stop asking. Don't stop believing. Don't try and make up a formula. All that's going to do is mess with your head. Keep asking. Keep believing. Don't give up. When there isn't any joy, ask God for that miracle, that he would give you joy in that moment. Don't hide from the pain. Let it push you into Jesus. And I know that's easy for me to say. But I want you to know that your church loves you. And when you hurt, we hurt. And we want to pray with you for that miracle. Elizabeth leaned into God. She leaned in in and God showed up to her husband in the form of an angel. I wish I had time to unpack the whole conversation between the angel and the priest. I hope you'll actually go back and read it because it's actually pretty hilarious. I mean, Zechariah just shows up one day. He's doing his little priestly thing. And all of a sudden, there's an angel. And he says the angel line, right? You know, don't be afraid, you know, with the Scottish accent. It's got to be there, okay? You know, and, 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 and Zechariah is just kind of like, what in the world? He goes, I'm Gabriel. 
I've been sent here by God and your prayer has been answered. And Zechariah actually starts arguing with the angel. I don't know if you noticed this, Mr. Angel, but there's a practical problem in the way. We're old. We're old. Can you imagine how freaked out he was? You're in your 90s and an angel shows up and says, you're going to be doing diaper duty? You're freaked out. Okay, I mean, you're just freaked out. This is how it goes down. Zechariah prays, God says okay, and then Zechariah's response is, this just can't possibly happen. To which the angel replies, excuse me, Mr. Reverend Priest guy. Do you know who you're dealing with and do you know who I am? Okay, I'm going to paraphrase this just a little bit. Give me a little license. I'm super tired, overactive imagination, and I've had way too much coffee. Okay, so this is how it goes down in my brain. Angels, Gabriel shows up and says, look, this is what you need to know. You haven't taken enough theology questions, Mr. Priest man, but here's what I need you to know from the bottom of my heart. God can put babies where babies aren't supposed to be. God can open your wife's womb and shut your mouth. Now here's what's amazing. If you know the story, that's what happens. The angel gets impatient. It's like, you're not talking anymore. I'm going to talk now. In fact, I need you to learn your lesson about this whole thing. So you don't get to talk until your baby shows up. Don't believe me? Read Luke chapter 1. It's there, okay? But he says to him, God sends angels here and there and everywhere. God's going to lie in a manger, but you don't forget that he made the trees that that made that actual manger. You need to know this, Zechariah. God is going to come and walk on this ground, but don't you forget for a second that he made the ground that he's actually going to walk on. God is more than able, and you would do well to remember that little man. My paraphrase, okay? My paraphrase. I mean, God's answering prayer. And when God actually gives you your miracle, can I just tell you something from Zechariah's life? Don't try to negotiate the how. Just say thank you. Thank you. There's another lesson here. Don't tick off an angel, okay? All right, let's move on, all right? While the story of Elizabeth is happening, there's another lady in the story. While Elizabeth's story is one of faithfulness and sadness, Mary's story is a story of faithfulness and fear. I'm just going to read you a chunk of the Christmas story. If you've heard it before, I hope it refreshes your soul. If you've never heard it before, I hope it inspires you. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, there it comes again, Do not be afraid. Mary, you found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. What's Elizabeth and Zechariah's name put together? The Lord keeps his promise. She is saying that right there in that moment. No word from God will ever fail. The angel just steps up and clarifies the whole thing. Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. 
May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but if you take Joseph and Mary's story and Zechariah and, and Elizabeth's story and lay them side by side, it's amazing the parallels. Here's some interesting side notes. It's the same family structure. It's, it's two parents that don't have kids. It's the same angel in both stories. I mean, Gabriel's on a roll here, right? I mean, this guy's got a great job description. He just shows up, keeps sharing good news with people. And he's got to tolerate their questions. That's the next one. This is the same questions. Both of them, it's just like, Zechariah's like, uh, excuse me, angel guy, old, old. Mary's over here, just like, excuse me, angel guy, never been with a guy before. That's an issue. Not sure what kind of classes you guys have to take in middle school in heaven, but we learned that's not possible, okay? Some of you got that, that's good, all right? The rest of you share with your neighbor afterwards, Okay and pray for them. Okay. Um, it's the same skepticism. How in the world is this supposed to go together? And they both get the same promise. This is how it works with miracles. It's not supposed to make sense. It just happens. God's going to make a way. And they both experience the same miracle. A little baby named Jesus. A little baby named John. Just put yourself in Mary's shoes for a second. We like to romanticize Mary. We put her in her mid-20s in our brain just to make it easier on us. Jewish culture, she's probably 14 or 15. She's a middle schooler. Just think about that. So you're, you're a godly middle school kid. You've been doing the right things. And an angel shows up and says that you're going to become the earthly mother of the Son of God. No pressure, right? So you get scared. Because you know certain things. You know being pregnant outside of marriage in this culture got you blackballed. Your family would have been disgraced. They would have walked away from you. I mean, and how are you going to explain this to people? An angel showed up. Told me not to freak out. (laughs) I'm pregnant. This is what we learned. We learned Mary held to God's promise with trust and faithfulness that God never fails. That's what held her together in this moment. But I got a question for you. Everyone in this room at some level is praying for some kind of a Christmas miracle. I know you are. Those of you that are not, the reason you're not is because you're just terribly afraid to be disappointed this year. My question is this. As you're praying for your Christmas miracle, have you lost your faith Have you lost your trust in God to actually deliver? Has that pushed you to the point where you just can't talk about it anymore because it just hurts too much? You bought the lie that God doesn't come through anymore. That was something for another age and another time because that's exactly what that is. It's a lie. Have you lost your hope? Have you lost your faith? You know, the reality is, for a lot of us, it's just what happens with being human, right? Sometimes you need to see something. Sometimes you need to be able to just wrap your hands around something because you've got the promise and you know what you're supposed to do, but you just need to see with your own eyes that God can still come through. Well, this is what the Bible says that God told Mary to do. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. 
When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that God would fulfill his promise to her. Let me paraphrase that for you. Elizabeth is saying, you just got the gift of my family name. Because my family name is God is faithful and keeps his promises. This is what I love about how God works. God sends the faithful and the fearful one to the faithful and the formerly sad one, and together they find joy. That's how it goes. God takes one who's a little discouraged and just needs to see something tangibly, and he sends them to somebody who's actually experienced that miracle just as a little reminder that you can find joy too. So earlier in the service, I took a huge risk by talking to some couples here in the room who've been struggling with infertility. And I'm going to tell you why I decided to speak to you. Number one, we want to pray with you for your miracle. And number two, sometimes you just need to hear that God's still doing this kind of thing. So I'd like to tell you a story. A story that comes out of this story. You see, Elizabeth was Mary's proof that nothing was impossible with God. And if you're here today in that particular circumstance, or maybe you've suffered a miscarriage, or maybe you've walked through some incredibly deep, difficult decisions in your past, and you've been trying to get God's forgiveness for a long time, sometimes you just need to hear about somebody else's miracle. Angel and Dominique Domingo are a part of this church. They sit out here every weekend just like everybody else does. And they serve and they help and they love and they pray. I met Angel when he came to work here. And I don't know how else to describe him. He's just a little bundle of joy. The guy just can get joy out of anything. And he's married to his beautiful wife, Dominique. And, and over the years, as we began to get to know each other just a little bit, I began to notice how difficult Mother's Day was for the Domingo family. It always seemed like I would run into Dominique on Mother's Day out in the commons and I'd see the tears and we'd pray together. This is what you need to know about the Domingos. They love kids. They were kind of like the, they're like the CTK babysitters, you know? It seemed like anytime I ran into somebody, it's like, where are your kids tonight? Angel and Dominique's place. And they just love kids. And the doctor said it was impossible, humanly impossible for them to have children of their own. So what they did, they chose joy and they just adopted everybody else's. Just, they're all my kids. That's the way it worked. Mother's days came and went. And we would pray and we would cry and we would ask God for help. And the answer was always silence. Believe me, if there was a formula, those guys would have found it. So we grieved together. And we mourned together as the months would go by and we just hoped and prayed that at some point God would answer. But here's what Angel and Dominique did in the meantime. They stayed faithful. And they kept asking. 
godly people. I will never forget the day that I heard the news. God said yes. And we held our breath. It's like, okay, easy. Let's see what happens. Nine months later, a little miracle named Olivia arrived. And then God decided once with impossible was not enough. Let's go for a second round and that little boy named Malaya was born. And just this past summer, there's the whole family. There's Angel and Dominique and their kids. And that's pretty awesome. Dominique and Angel just kept hoping and praying and asking God and trusting God and and remaining faithful. They asked God to give them joy in the midst of the pain. Here's what's amazing. They were joyful before God said yes. When he said yes, they were just ecstatic. And this went to a whole other level. And in that moment, God exchanged their sadness for the next little piece of our Advent puzzle. And he gave them joy. The joy of the Lord does not come in a yes. Sometimes the joy of the Lord comes in a no. This is what I need you to hear. The joy of the Lord is found in his promise and in his faithfulness. That's where it comes from. Psalm 19.8 says, The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. So I know everybody at some level in this room is praying for a Christmas miracle. I am. Same one, 18 years in a row. And I will not go away. And I appreciate those of you who pray for us during this season as well. You're all praying for a Christmas miracle. We just want to make this practical. So last week, I asked you to do something. I asked you to write down like five names of people that you were going to invite to Christmas Eve. I will promise you something because I know how human beings work. There were a couple of names from your family that you didn't bother write down because you just think they're a lost cause. You just do. God ain't going to save cousin whatever his name is. No way. You actually think my drunk aunt is going to come here on Christmas Eve? You're nuts. God ever give up on you? Anybody else in the room ever have a season in their life when everybody in their family thought you were a lost cause? You're here. All the people in the baptismal tank, you think that there wasn't maybe just a little portion of some part there when everybody's just like, that ain't never going to happen. I don't think so. Because the God who's still doing miracles back then is still doing miracles today. The question is, have you got the courage to write their name down and invite them or not? The first prerequisite to a miracle is an impossible situation. Write down an impossible name and ask God. And then I'm going to ask you to do something else. I'm going to ask you to press into their potential salvation by doing without. So I want you to just write a name and go, here you go, Jesus. Got it? Good. Mm -mm. 
Sometimes you've got to press into some of this stuff in order to see what God is going to do. So I'm going to encourage you to do without. I'm going to encourage you to write down their name, skip a meal this week, and spend that time praying for spiritual breakthrough and a miracle in that person's life. It's a spiritual discipline called fasting. And when you desperately want an answer from God, that's what God tells us to do. Put your own need aside and pray for somebody's eternal need. I just dare you, church. Write down that person's name. Take 30 minutes during your lunch break. Find a quiet corner somewhere. Leave your bologna sandwich at home. Get on your face in front of God and say, God, I'm actually going to believe you for a miracle in my family this year. And leave the rest to God. Trust him. Be faithful. Lean in. And two words for you. Be bold. Be bold. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray as we close. And we're going to ask God for help to believe that he is more than able. And then after the service is done, I'm going to invite you to do something. If you are here and you're one of those couples and you've gotten a no for a really long time, as an after-service prayer team, we'd love nothing more than to pray with you for your miracle. See what God does. Let's put our expectation in Him. If you're hurting today, if you're lonely, if you're broken, if you think you're one of those lost causes, we have people come and stand up here across the front. You know, every, at some point, they, somebody thought they were a lost cause too. The fact that they're on a prayer team, it's like you've got to be kidding me. And they're not going to do anything weird. They're just going to say, tell me what the miracle is. Let's pray and ask God. He's the only one who can answer. So why not ask? Let's pray together right now. Father God, I thank you for this day. Thank you for reminders of Christmas as we walked in today and heard Janet and Randy and, and Eric playing beautiful Christmas songs in the comments. Thank you for a place where we could come and find a little bit of joy in the midst of a world that just seems to have a lot of sadness this time of year. But thank you for the joy of seeing baptisms. Thank you for the joy of seeing people who actually led that person to Christ be in the tank with them. Thank you for all the stories that you've been writing during this Christmas season. God, I pray in Jesus' name that today we would have an opportunity to believe you for a miracle. So God, whether the miracle is sobriety, whether it's conception, whether it's healing, whether it's loneliness, whether it's a wayward child, God, we ask you for those miracles because we know that we can trust you. Lord, may we trust you with the timing. May we trust you with the answer. And may our lives reflect this year our desire and hope to be people of joy. God, thank you for Angel and Dominique's story. May it be repeated over and over and over again during this season. May hope run wild at Christ the King. May joy unspeakable touch us during this time of year. We'll give you all the praise, all the glory as a God 
who gave the gift of a baby not once, but twice. We love you. We put our hope in you because you make beautiful things out of dust. And we pray these things in your precious and holy name. And the believing people of God agreed together and said,